Yeah, but like Twitter is for people who can read, which is boring. Instagram is for people who can't read, so it's just a whole <laughs> bunch of pictures. You're just like, huh, interesting, mm. interesting. There's no brain power involved. You still get that dopamine, dopamine head. Like, okay. Yeah. This is how I want to waste my time in my life, and I like swipe it. <laughs> Welcome everyone to another great episode of the Do Better Dev Show. I am here with your the favorite co-host, Nathan. Nice. How's it going, Gil? How you doing, Nathan? I'm doing well. How are you? Ah, doing so good. I yeah, my one of my best friends just became like the most favorite co-host of a podcast. Wow. Yeah, I was yeah. there for it. It was pretty cool. It was a big day. <laughs> it is a big day. Biggest day yet. Or maybe ever. But aside from that, uh, today we're gonna continue talking about the interview series. So those of you who haven't listened to our last episode, this will be in continuation of this that, the last one. So go listen to it um, because we need really need those views in place. And yeah, we're gonna be talking today more about the process before you start interviewing. So should you be quitting your job? What's the mindset? How you should approach it? how to have the I quit or I leave talk or conversation. Um, and then how you interact with recruiters and everything. If we have time, we'll go over some resume prep strategies. But yeah, excited, excited for part two. Indeed. So I've got to start though with the usual segments. Exactly. Was there anything cool, interesting, frustrating that you wanted to mention from the past week? Honestly, last week was sort of bland. Um, the cool thing that happened was uh, I'm playing Control right now. Uh, good game, really fun. They are referencing a game they made. Like the, I, I generally like it when studios refer to other games they've made. It's like when Uncharted references Last of Us and vice versa. And then now in Control, they're referencing Alan Wake. And the little segment they have as a reference to that game is exponentially better than whatever the actual game was. <laughs> okay. Which I, which I thought was just like the studio looked at it and was just like, oh no, we, we made mistakes. Uh, let's fix it in this new game. To be fair, Alan Wake is a pretty old game and I don't know, it just had the stupid mechanic of darkness is devoured by light. So you have to carry a flashlight every time you see something and you burn the darkness out of them. But then you run out of batteries, so it's like reloading a gun, so you reload your torch with batteries. Um, yeah, so... Anyways, the cool thing was, they referenced it, I'm actually really enjoying the little side quest that they've put it for that game. Um, so I don't even really remember what the main story was or where I was at this point. I've been just like spending a couple of hours for the last week on this side quest and it's been pretty cool cool yes yeah. so did you do any cool tech stuff <laughs> uh i mean i just played a bunch of rocket league and did my normal work so nothing too exciting there though the new season did start so i'm just i finished all my placement matches and uh doing a bunch of 1v1 trying to not be terrible and uh the nice thing about playing 1v1s after you're not so useless that you just own goal constantly is that you don't have to worry about rolling the dice with really bad teammates because you're the only one so if you get totally crushed they were better than you or you were particularly terrible that game whereas you can hop especially into standard which is 3v3 you've got like 50% chance that one of your two teammates is going to be more of a liability than a benefit yeah, especially because I'm still at like high gold, so like gold three right below platinum, and that's basically where everybody is. So I'm like super average level player, which means you get people who are below average quite regularly. And, and yes, there'll be a real problem. So it's nice, it's refreshing that you don't have to totally roll the dice every time when you're just playing 1v1. So I've been doing a bunch of that. But the cool tech thing I wanted to mention for this week was this will be, I guess, about a week old by the time that the episode drops. But the, very recently, Neuralink put out a video of a monkey playing the Pong computer game 
with just its brain. Uh, there was no manual interface and it's called Mind Pong and I guess I'll have to link to it in the show notes, but it is pretty cool because they, ex especially the way the video gradually ramps up. So <clears throat> if you don't want to hear about it, skip a minute or pause and go watch the video. It's like five minutes long. But I'm going to explain. Basically, they introduce it with this monkey physically playing a game that just moves a cursor around and it's rewarded with a banana smoothie or something as it plays. But it has this manual joystick controlling the uh, cursor. And it also has the Neuralink connected. And then the Neuralink is sending all of its um, like brain data, whatever that's even called, to a computer. And the computer can then just recognize patterns that then says, all right, when this pattern occurs, the, they want to move the cursor in this direction based on mapping it to the manual input. And so at, after a while of mapping those two things, you're able to just say, all right, when the monkey's thinking this, it wants to move the cursor up. And so then they unplugged the joystick and the monkey kept playing with the unplugged joystick and it just looks normal, it looks like it's working. And then they just totally removed the joystick and the monkey just knows how to do it now. So it was pretty cool because the goal for that is to allow people who are paralyzed to interface with computers. And they essentially would need to be able to imagine like moving their hand in one way or another because that's currently how they're doing it. But the fact that the concept is there at all is just so neat. And the fact that the everything once the information is extracted is so simple because like if you could generate the input that is this is the state of my brain and you map it to something else it's the how do you get the state of the brain that's like the crazy magicy part at this point to me and the other part is just the brain dump one might yeah, say. exactly yeah and the other part is just a basic mapping which we all understand that like if the data looks like this it maps to this if it looks like this it maps to this so that's just so cool. And I'm very interested in seeing what they end up doing. And I also enjoyed that at the end of the video, there's a little tag where they're like, if, even if you've never worked with the brain before, feel free to apply for Neuralink jobs at Neuralink.com. So I was like, I gotta look at this and <laughs> see, see if they wanna hire somebody. Uh, just cause it's, it's such an interesting technology. Are they hiring test subjects? Because I just want to like lie on my couch, not move anything, <laughs> like change channels. So like, yeah, and it's like play games from my mind. Uh -huh. And then I can't blame like my not twitchy fingers anymore. Right. Yeah, you don't even... Imagine that. Smash Bros with just like a whole bunch of... One of my friends just bought a Switch and now I'm like, I just need to live at their house now because <laughs> in my mind, a Switch is just a Smash Bros machine because that game is so fun. Yeah, any Nintendo platform is only made for Smash Bros. Yes. Zelda and all these other games don't exist. I have been told that I would love Breath of the Wild, to be fair, but in my mind, it's just a Smash machine. Yes. But yeah. And not like you smash it, not that. No, 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 Smash Bros. <laughs> a classic game. It has, it has, it has broken many friendships and made a lot of parties fun. I always sucked at it, so I just like never had the emotional attachment. Because I never played it as a kid. Mm -hmm. So when I played it as an adult with people who've been playing it for like 15 years straight, <laughs> just like I have no chance of winning at this. I'm just gonna I think every, play for fun. Every group I've ever been in has had someone who's extraordinarily terrible someone who is quite good, like better than everybody else in the room. And then I was part of that group in the middle that like we've played it before, we're kind of okay, we kind of know what we're doing. And without the person who's exceptionally good, we all just be like, oh yeah, we're pretty good at this game. And yeah. like that level. And then if you removed both ends of the spectrum, we'd all just kind of be like, oh, random chance, whoever wins. Um, but it's, it's always fun. So I, I'm looking forward to playing this over the summer. Without a Neuralink. Without a Neuralink, not yet, anyway. You can just tweet, tweet out to Elon Musk. Be like, hey, can I, can I just get a, get a little, little chip, no, I don't, chippity thing? I don't even buy the first generation of a phone. I don't think I'm ready for the Neuralink <laughs> yet. 
I waited for the Pixel 3. That's fair. Um, cool. Yeah, that's the... I guess that's the end of the cool shit I have, section. I have no more cool stuff to add, no. Oh, man. Or anything well, to complain bummer. about. <laughs> nah, I don't buy it, but okay. <laughs> Not on the podcast. Not on the podcast. All right. Well, then, speaking of cool stuff, let's talk about interviews. Oh, my favorite. How'd you know? Yeah. I just... I, I, I have a neural link to your mind. Wow. So, it's connected by friendship. <laughs> so what... <laughs> Wow. All right. What uh, did you want to start out with for interviews? Well, I was thinking we'd, we'd start out with the why the why mindset, the thing you alluded to last time and you wanted to talk about. Should you even quit your job? Oh, It's yeah. a very big, good question that everybody should ask themselves before they, you know, quit. Yeah. Yeah. So the two dev jobs, anyway, that I've quit, I shouldn't even say quit, that, I've, that I'm no longer at. The first one, because I think the context is important here. The first one, the company went out of business, and I was planning to exit, but I was casually interviewing at the time. Then the company went out of business, and I went, all right, guess I'll uh, take this more seriously. And the second one, I went, yep, I need to leave. And I found a new opportunity and went from there. So I don't have, or I have mixed experience, but I also don't have like, decades of mixed experience here it's limited and these are my thoughts on it so it's like when I was at that first job that the company ended up going under I it was very difficult for me to decide whether or not I should leave that job um, the situation was that the company or the team was really great to work for I really enjoyed being a part of the people around me there that group was great uh, I enjoyed going to work each day but I was no longer learning stuff at work. Uh, the opportunities were becoming less and less. And I had a sense that I, I could tell the company was not doing as well as they wanted to. So I was also a bit worried about that. And the big thing for me was I knew that I'd outgrown that role, but my role wasn't going to change in the foreseeable future at that company. And so it was a matter of, all right, even though I like it, it's time for me to move on to something else. It had been right around, two, like coming up on two years. That was the target leaving date. And for my, you know, uh, for a junior developer job, a couple of years, that's a pretty long stint, and then you can go move on to something else. So uh, that was my thought process there, was like recognizing that there was just not as much for me at that role, and it wasn't like I needed to stay so long that I hated it. It was just time for me to move on. And then the other job, it was much easier to say, culturally, this is not a good fit. Opportunity-wise, this is not a good fit. Uh, I'm not like it's not like I'm getting paid a bunch to work here. And it was very easy to decide. And I think you know if you're in that position. And if you're in that position, you should probably well, you should leave. Not even probably. If you're in a position where you don't like it, you can't see any opportunities to grow, and you're not getting well compensated for your discomfort, like know that it's entirely optional for you to stay there, especially as a developer, at least if you're good, and you can just find another job, or at least good enough to seem good in an interview, and you'll find another job. Yes, Be, being good enough to appear good enough in an interview is very important. That's right, yeah. Honestly, there's been a couple of those sneak into teams I've been on, where it's like, oh, all right, you look good on the surface sort of thing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, very, very important points on figure out what are the things you value. Um, I have some friends who worked at a job where they hated it, but they got paid more than what they were expecting. So their value was take the money that my job is giving and spend it on things that I'm enjoying on the weekend or with family or doing whatever. So their value was whatever pays me the most. I will go use it. The career and job was just a money-making machine for them. There was no sense of self or anything coming from their job. Whereas for me, I've talked about this in previous episodes, I very strongly associate my identity with my job. Uh, things that I do, it has to make me happy or I just, I can't do it. Uh, the very first job I took was a nice company. The people were nice. I wasn't there long enough to have any emotional attachments with anybody, but the work itself was just so boring. 
um, that I ended up going to a place where I thought I would have more fun. At that point, I wasn't thinking about career growth or anything. I thought, all right, it's a startup. I'll at least, if not have fun at the things I do, I'll have fun with the people I will do be doing things with. So that was fun. Then that's exactly when I sh like quit my first job off. I looked at it and I said, okay, this is a sinking ship. Uh, the company may or may not go bankrupt, but the technology department definitely isn't going anywhere upwards. It's very concerning when your senior person only has like a year more experience than you, uh, <laughs> when you're yourself a junior developer. Uh, and like, you know, they're probably not going to stay there very long either. So at that point, you start seeing some like flags and you're like, okay, I can't grow if there's nobody to help me grow with or have opportunities even to develop. So that's when I started interviewing, found a different company, things looked good. And then I went there and I stayed there for close to a little over two years until I got to the point of I am doing the exact same thing I know how to do in different circumstances over and over. And the people I liked working with, I'm not with them anymore because I've moved and I'm remotely doing things. The clients I'm working with is making me very unhappy and nothing about the job is appealing to me anymore because my growth has stopped, I'm not doing anything new, and I just hate the environment I'm in. So at that point, it, it was such a breaking point where I didn't even have a job lined up or any interviews. I just quit. <laughs> and <laughs> if you decide to do a decision like that, make sure you have enough savings. At the point I quit, I had enough savings to last myself four to five months easily. Um, so, you know, take drastic steps, but with safe backups, depending on your situation. But, but yeah, and then anytime I look over another job or switch over, th that is very much the question. What is the Delta here? Is the Delta worth me switching over? Because it's a huge cost to the employer and it's a huge cost to you. So always weigh those, but at the same time, remember, you don't owe anybody anything. So if you are unhappy, just leave. They'll find somebody to replace you within a week. Yeah. Yeah, what I think is important to remember is to avoid, and I fortunately haven't had this problem, but I've seen people with it, is the grass is always greener type of thinking with respect to jobs, where it's like if you're constantly thinking about whether or not you should leave your job while you like your job, you're just going to make yourself hate your job because you're going to be thinking that something else is better. You're comparing what you actually do to like this imagined better opportunity that's out there. And so one of the things I've consciously done this entire year so far is I've just not done any interviewing because I had no intentions of leaving my current employer. I'm like, I really like my job. Every time that I have a concern, they address it very quickly. It's the best culture fit by far of any group I've ever been around, let alone employer. So I'm like, this is a really good fit. Let's not entertain a whole bunch of things that could become distractors that would make me think, oh, well, I wouldn't have to worry about this one thing I don't like doing if I'm at a different job. And it's like, well, there will be something else. So I think if you can try to remember, like, if you enjoy your job currently, you enjoy your job. And that's a really nice thing to have. And at least for you and I, that's an important thing. Maybe if, sort of like you alluded to, your main hobby is expensive, you like skiing or something like that, and you're fine with working a job you're not super happy with because it pays you 80% more, sure, fund your hobby that you love doing, and if you know that there's no other opportunity like that one, even though you dislike it a bit, it funds your hobby that you love, maybe that's great. But like you mentioned at the end there too, uh, with the Delta, <clears throat> is that I have sort of rough numbers in my head for like it would take at least a, this much compensation wise for me to really bother thinking about that as a distraction it's not like i'm going to be going oh wow it's a five percent increase i can't wait to take that like there's no point um i would take a lateral move to get away from a job i didn't like i'm not going to move from a job that i'm happy at currently for a very small increase in compensation. It's like to entertain that, it has to be so big that I come back to my employer and in my head, I'm thinking like, they're going to understand why I had to take this seriously. That's at least my thinking about it. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely, and, and that's what the that's what you like look at the delta four, right? For for example, if I I have various things, so if it's similar job position or similar industry, of course, there's the compensation range of I need to be paid this much more for me to consider leaving because culture-wise and everything else, I really enjoy my job. But if Netflix came to Vancouver tomorrow and was hiring and said, we'll pay you exactly what you're getting paid right now, but you get to learn how terabytes of data get sent around the internet every second, I'd like, sign me up. I love my job, but things that I have learned already, this appeals to me more, given where I am currently right now. And yeah, so you have to figure out what those values are for you. What would, what would be things for you to like reasonably actually change and yeah, not have the daydreaming of this is the thing I will have in my imaginary job that'll be so good. Like data-based decisions. Yes. And, you don't have data. And comparing apples to apples. Like if there's a lot of stuff you like about your startup job, don't go looking at the Amazon job that pays twice as much and thinking like, oh, these are the same thing. It's like, they're not, they're really not. No. The expectations are different, <laughs> the requirements are different. What they're expecting from you, even during an interview, is going to be very different. Yeah. Cool, so if you, if you, after you do that assessment, if you feel like you wanna cut, um, just, I mean, just we're not giving it. anybody advice, just, but, but do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's been a good decision. You gotta put some disclaimer, right? Like we're not legally your financial yeah, this advisors is, or whatever, yeah. but we are humans, and if you don't like being where you are as a human, just leave, man. Yeah, yeah, you should uh, talk to your general practitioner. Uh, this is not, this does not constitute legal, <laughs> medical, or financial advice. Yeah, but reach out to your local HR person. You should probably just leave. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So Nathan, if I am planning to <laughs> yes, leave, <laughs> how would I go about doing that? Um, I know we talked a little about LinkedIn and networking previously, but how do I talk to these recruiters? How does the dialogue uh, work? I thought you meant how do you like say to your employer that you're leaving? Uh, oh yeah, we, we could touch on that one instead. Sure. So the first thing you should probably do uh, was, I found this out, is that you should look at your employment contract and find out if there's a clause in there that says you're not allowed to leave uh, or you have to provide four weeks of notice. Um, turns out uh, you can just tell them you're not going to do that and then you'll not have to do it. But that might not always be true. And uh, yeah, you should know if your employment contract says something about how much notice you have to give. But generally it's common courtesy to give two weeks notice and not at least here in the on the west yeah at least where we are and uh generally to be nice about it Ooh, one thing that we didn't discuss pre-show that we should probably mention is whether or not you should take counter offers did we discuss that in the last episode counter offers yeah like if you go to your employer oh like when you're leaving and your company yeah, and wants you, to stay we have not so, so you go into your hr and say like or you send an email if that's the way you do it. i just went in person um like that I'm just like hey i'm leaving and they're like, well, normally have a discussion about this because normally companies will try to counter offer to get you to stay, some sort of like retention pay where they pay you what you're actually supposed to be getting paid in hopes that you'll stay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was, at least for me, that's not really an option. Uh, it's pretty much, I've never heard anybody say that they are happy they did that. Um, maybe those people are out there if they really like their job and they were like, I kept telling you I wanted a promotion, you wouldn't give me one. I really don't want to take this other offer. They're offering me this. Will you pay me this to stay? I could see that as a, as a thing. But if you are planning to leave your job, no intention of staying, and they just say, well, what if we pay you this much more? You really shouldn't do that, I don't think. They now know you want to leave anyway, which is not a great look. And unless you're just there because you're getting paid a bunch of money, which I don't, again, really relate to, then more money doesn't solve the problem that made me want to leave. So I'm not going to accept that. Uh, so for me, at least, when I was actively quitting my job, it was like, I'm leaving, and no, we're not having a discussion about this, about whatever counter offers you want. Like everybody knows that I'm not happy with this role. Everybody knows I'm looking for job opportunities. A last-minute discussion doesn't change that. 
What about you? Do you do you ever accept a counteroffer, or would you? Um, I can see the scenarios in which I would. Um, for for example, like if I if I really enjoy a job, if I like everybody I'm with, but I don't feel like they're paying whatever my market rate is or whatever I could make, um, and I get a counteroffer from a different company. Um, and then this company is just like, okay, we have moved some finances around. We can pay you to stay. Um, let's like, if, if that's the only issue I've brought, if the issue I've brought is, Hey, I need more money because of whatever my lifestyle is. I like this job very much, but I'm happy to be a little less happy at a different job if they're going to pay me more because my home problems get solved with this. Um, so more is a negotiation like, tactic. Exactly. Yeah, de definitely as, okay, you said my bonus this year is, or like my salary hike is 5%. I really need 15 because I think that's how the market is like and my expenses is. And if you don't match me on that, then I know there's who will. And then that's where, that's where the value thing again pops up, right? Like you value that thing more because of whatever your personal situation is. And yeah, that's the scenario in which I can see that will hold me. But yeah, Every time you're looking for something else, like the previously three jobs I left of um, career growth, if you're enjoying your job, and can they realistically offer you something? So my first one wasn't. My second one did offer me more money, but they also did with the clause of, well, things aren't going to change very much, but we can find money in the budget because it's more expensive for us to hire somebody new and maintain all of these things. So at that point, the bigger money wasn't appealing to me. And then the third job I quit, they did offer me more money, but my clause with them was, I hate doing the same thing and the things I'm doing. Do you have anything interesting? And they promised that there is, and there is, will be in six months or a year or whatever, but I wasn't patient enough to take that because there was no guarantee. There was a promise. And I'm very much data deadlines. Show me the contract. Show me where the money is. Uh, and if that doesn't come true, then I, yeah. So if my last job had given me a cooler project or something that kept my interest or learning going with somebody who's more experienced than I was, then I probably would have still stayed regardless of the hype or not. But, but yeah, like definitely see what you would value and counter offer is so common. If you work at least a year at some company, uh, they will more often than not want to hold you, uh, for as long as they can. Yeah. Because it is like you mentioned, really expensive and difficult at times to hire people. Uh, yeah. And, and that's part of the conversation, right? So that's part of the, I quit conversation. So before you leave, if you're absolutely you're like, I'm sure I don't want to be here no matter what they offer me. Then the counter offer doesn't really matter. But if you have been going to the HR, like in my case, I'd been going there for like a month or two at least of, I'm really unhappy and nothing seems to be changing. And when I found out nothing really was going to change, those conversations didn't help. And they were very understanding. They were just like, okay, we get it. We cannot offer you the things you want will give you a reference instead. Um, because it's the thing I wanted to allude to very importantly during the I quit talk is don't burn a bridge unless, unless something terrible happened, unless they were like just really unfair to you or did something illegal or just like straight up were not a good person. Um, just if you can, don't, don't burn your bridges. Um, you you have no idea how many times you may have to contact a previous employer for the next job or some background check or anything. And even for networking and word of mouth, if you work in a smaller community, uh, can really affect your chances. Yeah, yeah, which is another thing. If you have a history of leaving jobs really soon, then at least if I'm on your hiring team, then I'm going to be like, what's up with this? You know, if you've, especially in a small tech community like in Victoria, if uh, if I see you've worked at six similar companies that I am familiar with over the last you know three years, I'm going to be like, this is not a good idea, you know, because it 
as I mentioned, I want to actually get into it a little bit. One of the reasons you want to give your employer notice is so that they can replace you without it being a big pain point. So like at the company I'm at right now, it takes probably three to six months for like an intermediate to senior dev to get really up to speed. And just there's so many areas of the, of the code base and different services, things to understand about the business of how the product works as well as the, te the code side and stuff that's really old, stuff that's new, stuff that we use, stuff that we try not to use, stuff that is still there that we wish wasn't there. There's a lot of stuff going on and bringing somebody new up to speed not only costs the time to interview, the time to choose the person, the amount that they're going to get paid, but also the time that they're not being that full powered productive developer for the first few months. And so it's another reason why you'll get something like a counter offer or if you're saying seriously to them, a company like that at least, I would like to stay and I have to consider other offers for these reasons, they're going to be more likely to say, all right, let's see if we can figure something out so that we don't have to go through that nasty period of bringing somebody on board. Because it's not just you're leaving for this much, we'll hire somebody for this much, it's we have to spend three months, six months, whatever it is, paying somebody to get up to where you are now, which is no fun for anybody. So just be nice to your employer, don't burn bridges, and you'll probably be able to call them back sometime in the future, and they'll be happy to say nice things about you. Exactly, maybe, maybe the place you liked, you didn't wanna stay at because of growth issues, and then five years later, they've somehow raised a lot of money and are big in business, and now you see actual growth opportunities there. So you can, it's, if you left on good note and they remember you as a good employee, going back in is going to be such a breeze. You may be able to like skip a bunch of lines, interview processes, and if people there remember you, then you know getting adjusted to everything and culture shock isn't that huge. Yeah, we actually just so, brought somebody yeah. a few months ago back in who used to work at this company and everybody's stoked. They're like, we need to do this all the time. Only rehire people that have already been here. Cause it was like day two machine is, is running everything properly. They're committing code like, ah, oh, this is great. So yeah, definitely. Plus if you were there at, you know, some level of developer, you go away, get experience for a few years and come back at a different level. Yeah. If you can join back in maybe now, whatever position you are in your career, it makes more sense to work at that company. Whereas it didn't for a while. It can, you never know what's going to come up. You never know if you're going to leave that town and come back to it later. So yeah, just be a good person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seems like normal life advice, yeah. but more often than not, when you're amped up on, oh yeah, I'm really going to quit this job, uh, things, things could come across negative and you don't know how long that's going to that's gonna affect. Exactly, yeah. And before you leave, or while you're leaving, I guess, um, talk to a couple of people who manage you and the people you like for referrals. For it's very important because uh, every other job you follow up with will ask for it, and they they ought to say nice things about you. And don't don't try to like use fake referrals because if you get caught you lose the job. <laughs> um, <laughs> just just something I've like warned a friend about before. <laughs> huh. Yeah, that's never crossed my mind to do that. But yeah, don't do that. Yeah. It's so easy. How are they going to do a background check? But if they decide to do it, you're kind of screwed. Mm -hmm. So hmm. just, yeah, be a nice, honest person. Here, some, some life advice, <laughs> not just career advice. It's the Do Better Dev Show. We, we cover all aspects. Yeah. Yeah. Just be a good person. TM. TM. <laughs> so yeah. you heard it first here. Yeah. You've never heard that <laughs> advice before. These are the nuggets you come here for. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned recruiters and stuff. Was there something you want to say about that? Um, yeah, so once you're, I guess the thing about it is if you're talking to recruiters and let's say you've turned on your LinkedIn notification or I'm open to jobs and everything, um, one thing I used to do, uh, which has, you know, helped uh, quite a bit is we've talked about this in the previous episode of add them on LinkedIn, send them a thank you message or whatever. The thing I forgot to mention is if you do know somebody, if they send you a job and you're not actively looking or you don't think it's a good fit for you, send it to somebody who you think it might be. 
doesn't matter if you're really close or not, if you think they're looking for a job, LinkedIn is a perfect platform for that. Um, you're going to sort of have this exponentially growing network then because if you help somebody get a job, the recruiter will remember that. The person who got the job will remember that. And once you put out your LinkedIn status of, hey, I really need a job, now you have twice the audience you had before if you had just asked the recruiter being like, okay, let's stay in touch. Yeah, that was one thing I wanted to mention. Like, don't just turn down job offers if you don't want it. See if there's somebody who you think would be a good fit and send it their way. Yeah, you have to you have to know people. That's the problem. That's that's what gets the ball rolling. I know. <laughs> I mean, if you're really passionate, go look up similar jobs of people like applying for it or asking for it on Upwork or something, and just like send them then like, <laughs> like messages uh -huh. like, hey. <laughs> You should apply for this. This seems like something up your alley, but I don't know. At that point, you're just an evangelist, yeah. you know, just like pushing jobs over people. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I've had a few recruiters ask, like when I said that I wasn't interested in a job or it wasn't the right fit for me, or a technology I wasn't interested in working with, and they they're just saying, oh, if you know anybody who is, and I've given it some good thought, and I go, yep, nope, I actually. I don't know anybody I can recommend, unfortunately. It seems like everybody I know is happy at their job right now, which is great. Uh, but I've, I've tried messaging one person. It was to come work with me because we were struggling to hire people. And then I was getting emails from recruiters being like, we're trying to hire. And I'm like, sorry, we're trying to hire and we're struggling too. So I know it's, I know it's hard out there right now. Yeah, that's all the points. I had. Yeah, so I wanted to mention, because I alluded to this when we were discussing being nice to a recruiter uh, last week, something that worked out really well for me was with a recruiter that's working for a third party, so not at the company that uh, they're interested in hiring for. So oftentimes, if you get an email from a recruiter, it will be, I'm a recruiter at so-and-so company, I'm looking to hire for such and such position, are you interested? And you'll say you know, yes or no, this is a good fit, not a good fit, you'll be a good person, and then not really hear from them again. But an experience I had with getting my current job is I was reached out to, and I don't remember if they were presenting me with multiple jobs right away, but I, was, I know I was presented with at least one job. I was like, this is not really a good fit for what I'm looking for. And instead of saying, uh, you know, okay, well, let me know if there's anybody who is interested, that sort of thing. They were just like, all right, well, how about something more like this? Or maybe I pr provided that information. I don't remember. But point is they followed up with a few more job opportunities. And then we ended up just meeting for coffee and discussing like what I'm looking for. And so this was a third party that's their entire responsibility is just working with a bunch of other companies to get candidates. And so my experience with them was they built a little profile of sort of what I was looking for, what my experience was, and then they could look for the right opportunities for me. And they get paid if they find me a job that I stay at for you know, 12 months, 16, 18 months, something like that. And so it's their, in their best interest to find me a job that I like and to find a job that's a good fit for me. So that worked really well because I was able to more like more or less like you said cut a bunch of lines because i wasn't applying to the public uh through the public channels i was working with somebody and they were filtering down opportunities for me and could give me a bit more information about what the teams are like get me in touch with people so i highly recommend that if somebody emails you and they're like i worked for such and such company and i'm trying to hire for such and such in the such and such sector and it's all very vague they're probably not that company themselves and you can just be like, oh, that doesn't really fit. Do you, do you work with other companies that have more of this sort of thing? And maybe they'll say, yes, I do actually. And they just want to find people because that's how they get paid. So if you can get like a mutual ben mutually beneficial situation going, uh, at least for me, it was really positive and I highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah. Having a recruiter do all the hunting for you is A plus plus would recommend. Exactly, yeah. Cool. Anything else to add on what to do before? 
No. You started playing for Jeff. That answers everybody's questions. Every single That's one true. they could have. Every single question that we've ever received, will receive, or have received. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay, I thought you were just going to leave it at the first clause, and I thought, yep, that's true. <laughs> no, no, it's co- it covers everything, and that's our opinion, which is a fact. Um, I-, I wanted to touch a little bit on to resume prep. Um, just some bullet highlight points um, that I see in a lot of resumes as a person who hires and sort of triggers me, um, especially, and because we're still talking about the pre-interview stage, this is the stage where you apply for jobs or looking for one and you get filtered out. Uh, you haven't even reached the interview stage and I'll tell you the things that bother me uh, is when you don't mention measurable actions. So instead of just saying you're responsibility was developing debugging or testing software uh, that tells me literally nothing because you said your title was software engineer and I already assumed you did all those three things but if you tell me something like help deploy uh, AWS architecture using Lambda or whatever with the Python stack and cherry on top would be it helped increase engagement or reduce deploy times by x percent or x seconds um, measurable things things that you actually did and numbers showing the impact i look at those kind of resumes and i'm just like yes this person knows what they're doing they actually made an impact and i want to work with this person um, so very much please go for that never use phrases like helped was a part of i don't care you probably worked in teams that's cool what did you do? What did you achieve in your job? I am going to be working with you, not your team. So I need to know what your individual contribution was. And yeah, and if you don't have a lot of experience, you're a beginner, throw in side projects. If you developed anything, if you're even fresh out of school, I'm sure you've done things for labs. So then you can mention things like, okay, I built a very basic Android app but I learned how the web view works. I learned how the JavaScript implementation and the DOM handler interacts with each other through this library. Or this is how I learned how to fix UIs better because I use this library in this way. That gives me context. That gives me content I can refer to when I'm interviewing you of, hey, did you understand this concept? And if you've mentioned something like that in your resume, I already think you sort of understand what things, what's happening and I like you at that point. But if you're just like, made six projects during my first semester. I don't care. Probably everybody did in your class. Why are you special? So I know I sound sort of triggered, but it, it, I, I, I already us. mentioned. Yeah, exactly. I warned you it, these things because I, I have looked at a lot of resumes um, and especially when it starts being like intermediate senior level roles. Uh, I'm just like, well, how did you get anywhere or like does anybody double check your resume ever? Um, so, yeah. Because what was the statistic? Like an average recruiter spends seven seconds skimming your resume before they throw it in the trash or choose it. There was something like that it was under 10 seconds. It was a ridiculous amount of time, which I was like, wow, how do you even judge anybody? But if it's bulleted enough that they skim and be like, oh, they did things. There were numbers, there were impacts. There's the languages I was looking for and then they can just forward to the technical interviewer or whatever. Yeah, so something I did when I was like farming out resumes was actually had two different resumes going. So it was one that was the keyword resume for submitting to things like Indeed. And that would just basically word vomit all the technologies that people would probably be filtering for. And there wasn't a lot of information on there outside of just a list of key terms. And then I had another one that was, here's what I actually did. And it was what you described. And so when I got the chance to put something in front of a human, like if I was sending it directly to somebody, then they would get that one. And if it was going through an automated filtering process, then I would typically just send off the keyword one. So I'm like, at least this will pick up some terms. And if they're curious enough, they'll ask HR to talk to me. And at that point, you can prove that you actually know something about some of the things you listed. But the, 
the main things, I guess, are just things that I agree with what you said, which is trying to provide something that is interesting enough. Like if you were reading that resume as a stranger, would it make you want to ask more questions or would you just go like, eh, I don't care? Because you have to get through HR, but then HR gives those resumes to developers and the developers then have to look at it and be like, all right, I have to interview this person. This is the information I have about them ahead of time. And that's all they, all they really get. So if it just says something like, I made six projects, the best they've got is, well, what were those projects? Can you tell me what they, and if, it'd be so much better if you said, you know, made six projects, one of which was this, even if at least you said what it was. You're like, or even don't say six, just like I made this project, it did this thing using this technology. And then cool, they can ask about that technology in the interview. Find out if you actually understand it. Um, yeah, and then I think just tailoring it a bit to your level, like you said, if you're intermediate, or sorry, if you're a beginner, showing more uh, like curiosity and breadth in the things you've done up to this point, probably not a lot of depth. And then as you get further in your career, you'll have to be able to provide more of those metrics on things you've actually improved, super specific things, maybe architecture level type of discussions, those kinds of things that you don't need to know as a beginner. They just want to see that you are curious, enthusiastic, and uh, going to try to pick up things as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, very good point that I have forgotten, at least actually, because of being able to have so much human interaction now in my later stages, but in the beginning, definitely I would look at a job posting. I would practically find or plagiarize the whole thing in my resume. Like I would sort of mirror whatever it's saying in there, uh, just so if it's going through an automated process, it gets selected. I also read something which said, you grab all of the text from the job posting, put it in your resume, make it white on white so that it disappears in the page and then the automated things can still pick it up because they're looking for keywords and then your resume just goes through it. I was like, okay. That's some black hat resume shipping right there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it works. Huge disclaimer, <laughs> never tried it, but I read it and it made sense to my head because these programs are just matching, pattern matching. Let's be like, this is a 100% matching resume to the job posting. All right, important so. question, Gian. Cover letters. Do you do them? Uh, no, and not anymore. I used to do them because I didn't have any other skills to offer. So I would personalize them to the job or the company of, hey, this is why I think I'd be a great fit. Now it's very much like I worked at all these companies before, so I must not be terrible at my job. So here's my resume of the things I can do and the rest we can chat during interview stage. But yeah, because I really hated those cover letters. It's like writing essays and it's just, yeah. yeah I see. Now I just research whatever I would write in a letter and then I just talk to the people directly. But yeah. Yep, mine's the same. Wrote cover letters for my first job in tech. Haven't written one since. And I've also never been given one while I'm interviewing. So like I've, I, I must have interviewed at least 20, 30 people and I've never been given their cover letter. I've only ever seen a resume. So if people are writing, res or writing cover letters, so far, as my end of one example, I have received none of them. So probably, at least if you're in Victoria, applying for startups, um, we're not reading your cover letters, so don't write one. Maybe HR is, I don't know. B basically, if your resume isn't strong enough, supplement it with a cover letter, but if you really put a lot of effort in your resume, cover letters are practically redundant. That's a good point, yeah. Because you, you need to tell you need to sell yourself, right? So if you're lacking in one department, you gotta make it up in the other. It's just like, yeah. I think that covers everything I wanted to talk on before segment of interview prep. Cool. Yeah, interview is probably gonna be a big discussion. So. Yeah. I don't think I don't think yeah. we want to start that now. We're coming up on an hour. No, definitely not. That that is its own episode. Because uh, I haven't even prepared for that one yet. Perfect. So That'll be we can't talk be about next it. week. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So we can we can jump on to the final section on what did you do better last week. I just want to point out this is what it looks like when Guillaume prepares for an episode. So 
Can you imagine <laughs> if we did not do any prep? Uh, so what I did better last week, oh, I wrote this down because I knew I would forget. Uh, I, so I did the final practice exam and while I was going through the AWS course, I don't think I mentioned this on the show, but I took copious notes and just threw them in a, a private Git repo. And so it's all marked down because I'm a nerd and I'm just going through them now. So I'm maybe a third of the way through my notes and I've actually found this was really helpful. So I, I originally did it the other day because I didn't feel like doing a full practice exam because they take like two hours. And I was like, I'll just review my notes. And then I started going through the very first page of my notes and went, I would not get this much information from the practice exam, so I'm really glad I'm doing this. And the reason being, when I was going through the course and taking these notes, my main goal was to take the notes with the impression of going back to them or the intention of going back to them. And I, it wasn't like I was reviewing them after every single lecture and then trying to commit them to memory. And what that meant was a lot of it lacked context when I was writing it down. So it'd be things like, you know, this service does this and this and this and this and has these features. And then it didn't really mean anything because I didn't know what those integrations really meant. So it's like if I'm writing down that, you know, Athena is useful for running SQL queries on S3 and this other service, you know, Redshift Spectrum can also do that but I don't know why you would use one over the other. Like that doesn't really stick in my brain. I just have written it down somewhere. So now going back through all of my notes with context is helping a lot. And it's shoring up some of those things that I thought I knew that I actually wasn't fully sure why. So I'm hoping that I can just keep on working through those. That'll be part of my do, or my, uh, do better for this coming week. Um, but over the last week, I also just spent a ton of time outside it's mostly stopped raining. Uh, spring is pretty much just rain here, and then the rest of the year is just sun. So uh, I spent time outside, and I even did a bunch of stretching on the weekend, which I don't do enough of. Um, I'm the owner of a yoga mat that I never use, and uh, my sister always gives me a hard time. She'll text me from time to time and just be like, hey, I'm stretching. Are you doing any stretching lately? I'm like, no. <laughs> so I'm trying to do a bit more of that. And uh, oh, my do-betters. I just said what I did better. Uh, so by the end of this spring, I can expect you to be able to do a full split. I used to be able to do the front splits on both sides. So like left foot forward yeah. and right foot forward, totally flat. And I could do it cold, so like I didn't need to warm up or anything. But I've never been able to do side splits totally flat. Now's the time. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> I, don't know if I, I don't know if my hips are actually built to do that, but we'll see. And yeah, so main point there, do better, uh, staying active. And uh, I have lost a little bit more weight, about a pound. So I'm gonna keep doing that. And finishing up these, these notes. And I honestly think I'm probably in a reasonably good spot for writing the real exam pretty soon because I got a passing grade. It was 78, so not super high on the final practice exam. And that was, substantially harder, like a full, um, I don't know what that's called, standard deviation, <laughs> more difficult than the, all the other practice exams that I'd done up to that point. And so they basically said like, yeah, if you pass this one, you're probably fine. People had said in the comments on the course, you know, I got 80% in all the other ones and I got 30% on this one, but I still passed the actual exam. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm ready for it. And uh, I just want to be really sure. So getting ready. Only one way to know. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. The only, the only one way to know for sure. What about you? Cool. Um, on my did better, I finally now have a gym membership, um, which I'm very happy about because I was quarantining and locked at home. So now I can go out. Um, and I bought a bike. So I guess... I, so I haven't been on a bike since 2008, uh, besides briefly riding it for one day when I was in Hawaii two years ago. Um, but yeah, and I learned that I don't have quads. Uh, it's a made up muscle and I only have pain muscles because that's what I feel. So my um, do better is doing a lot more cycling for the next week um, and just upcoming, I want to be able to 
cycle easily for like two or three hours by the end of the summer. And I, yeah, so um, I'm gonna have like massive like legs. Flat or what? A little bit inclined. Okay. My, my goal is 400 meters. Like if I can bike up 400 meters without wanting to kill myself, then I have sort of like, not, not like in one stretch, but like a little go up, then go straight, then go a little bit So like 400 up. meter changing elevation? Or yes, oh, okay. Change in elevation going up. Right. Yeah. Dang. So that 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 seems like a lot. Four hundred meters. Well, I did nine hundred eighty-three meters in Hawaii, and I didn't do all of it because it did kill me at like hundred meters. <laughs> but I was on and off on it. Uh-huh. So uh, there's some part of me that will push through. I know. I just need to train the right muscles. Uh, I don't know if it'll happen in the two months of summer we get. But I will try my best. Um, do a little bit more coding. That's the another thing I want to add because my coding skills are rusty and I talked about it in the last podcast as well. So I, I have started looking at my previous site projects and I'm just doing like some little, these, you know, the, those problems where there's like, what's wrong with this code? So you look at something you try to debug and those I learned are absolutely useless because I can, I do that at my job all the time too. I just look at something like, why is this breaking? Okay, this makes sense. This is why it's breaking. So being able to debug code does not translate to the ability of being able to code uh, by looking at something and translating that into a problem that you can solve. Also, normal coding doesn't actually intersect with, if you have this machine that flips one card over and it flips like 40 cards other how many what's the least amount of number you have to flip to get to all of them in the same condition or whatever right so those are the things you don't do when you're normally coding so just figuring out algorithmic stuff um, (laughs) this is like a preview for next week pretty much yeah (laughs) and that's one of the reasons i wanted to do them so that i feel prepared when we talk about that Um, because from what i remember you did a lot of those for the longest time and then you didn't do it for like two months and you forgot all of it so imagine me who have never done those except for interviews uh so i want to make sure i i am not able to like mess up on and all those things um and the thing that i will probably actually end up doing is i want to start reading a tech newsletter so i'm subscribed to a couple of different ones i usually skim them but I'm going to unsubscribe from most of them and have one for the next week. And just whenever, I don't remember if it's weekly or daily, but when I see it, I will be taking out like a good 20 minutes out of my day to just actually go through and read the articles that are being sent to me. Another one of my do-betters is to come up with actual things that I want to do better for the next week. <laughs> this, is, this is something I realized last night. Uh, it was because generally my general approach to life is like, what are some goals I should have? And I was really struggling to come up with some for the week. So that'll be on my mind, regardless of whether I want it to be or not. But I'll, I'll put, say it on the show because that's really helped with me actually getting these things done up to this point. Well, I mean, you said it yourself, doing better is a recursive process. Maybe you hit your first exit condition it, and now you just need to get back into like episode 17. I hope not. <laughs> Well, because you've just done better. You're you're on Did Better Club now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The audience does not need to know about Did Better Club. Um, but now you can start a different Do Better routine. Yeah, yeah, and that's part of my, my hope, is that I can come up with some sort of uh, change in pace for doing better, especially as weather changes, seasons change, things happen. I don't have to be in winter mode anymore where I can just do things in my home. So. Yeah, now it's summer and you can still just do things in your home because... Hush, again. I don't, <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need your reality coming in and ruining my daydreaming. <laughs> okay, no, no. World is open, Corona isn't a thing, 2021 is the greatest year summer, of our life. Summer of love. Summer of love. Is that, is that a thing? That's what you told me I was going to have. Oh, okay, then yes. It's the summer of love. Yeah, when I was saying that I, I haven't... If I said it, it's a fact. Yeah, when I said that I haven't met anybody in a year, you were like, ah, summer. Summer of love. Summer of love. So that's it's going to happen. 
So we will see. You already have data, right? I'm, I'm not coming out of this blank. So there's data now, and we know it's going to happen. So. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah. If you guys are interested about this, go hit them up on some social media forum. Or hit me up, because I like to gossip. Yeah. Yeah. Message Gary. Yeah. I probably won't see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then whichever comment we think is the funniest, we'll highlight it on the show. Oh. Oh, wow. A few, or a few podcasts I've listened to have done a you know, Instagram comment of the week, and they're always, uh, they're always special. Yeah, so we need, we need at least a couple hundred folks <laughs> listening to us, and then we can start doing that. <laughs> All right, well, there's a goal. There's a goal. Cool. Is there anything else uh, for this episode, Jan? No. Uh, that is all for this episode. Uh, in the next episode, we'll cover how to, you know, go through the interview process, things you should look out for, how you can prep, and yeah, I'm. I really like this series so far. So if you do too, please share with your friends and show up to the next episode. And thanks for listening.